You guys want to know what our word for the year is? Well, buckle up. It comes later in the evening. So I wanted to share a couple of things with you before we uh, get to that and close out 2021 with the time of communion. And we're wrapping up really our second consecutive weird, bizarre, stranger than ever year. And it looks like 2023 is going to be a blessing too. Now, we have been throughout the year both comforted and encouraged by the realities that are around us that indicate Jesus is coming soon. We see things all over the world happening that tell us we need to keep our heads lifted up, our eyes on the prize. The Lord's coming for his bride soon. And one of the big questions common to those who teach or study Bible prophecy, at least a question they are asked is, how far is God going to allow things to go before he gets us out of here? Well, if it were up to me, my answer is, it's far enough, come get us, take us home. But I don't know, and neither does anybody else. And we are looking forward to the blessed hope, which is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to meet us in the air and for us to forever be with him. Now, with that expectation, we know that God allows his people to go through global catastrophes as long, uh, along with the rest of the world. But we also know that we don't have an appointment with his wrath because we have obtained salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God's wrath takes place during the tribulation of which we have no appointment with. We will not be here for any of it. We will not be here for half of it. Amen. We're not going mid-trib. We're going pre-trib. Yeah. We're not going post-trib because that's pointless. Yeah. We just go up and come back down. What's the point in that? Well, the fact is God has set aside a moment, I believe, in a day and an hour that he predetermined where he's going to come and get the church. And uh, I'm hoping that 2022 is that year. I'm actually hoping 2021 is that year. <laughs> because it's not over here in SoCal. It might be over elsewhere, but it's not over here. Now, therefore, our time tonight is going to be spent on assuming there's more of this road for us to travel. That we are going to be here for at least a portion of 2022, hopefully not all of it. And the fact that we are told that we are to do business or occupy until he comes. And by the way, he is coming. We always have to keep that in mind. He is coming. And our word for the year, you want to know what it is? Yes. Okay, I'll tell you later. <laughs> As I said, I was resistant to it, just like last year. I mean, rest is not a super aggressive word, but boy, did we need it. And did we learn much about it throughout the uh, balance of the year? And the truth is, I was resistant to it because emotionally and mentally, I have been in combat readiness mode. And I think some of you have too. And I actually thought, man, that'd be a good title for tonight. But it isn't. <laughs> I actually have been thinking about one of the verses we included on the message or in the message on Sunday and how this has to be what we carry into this new year. No matter how much of it the Lord allows us to see, no matter how more bizarre and strange things are going to get. And one thing we mentioned on Sunday came from Peter in his first epistle, 
in chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, where Peter said to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. I got a text from Pastor Lauren earlier in the week, and it was a quote from the late Desmond Tutu, who passed away uh, this past week. And he said this, listen to this quote. I would not worship a God who is homophobic. I would refuse to go to a homophobic heaven. No, I would say, sorry, I would much rather go to the other place. I can guarantee he has changed his mind. And he isn't thinking that now. And listen, the point is, is that we are being defamed as evildoers today. And our good conduct is being reviled. And the Greek word reviled, translated as reviled, means to be falsely accused. And yet the admonition of Peter still stands that we need to be ready with an answer and able to defend why we have hope when anyone asks us. Now, this gives us our title for the night, which is uh, incorporating of the tradition at this time of year. And I've titled our time tonight, our brief time together, The Resolution Revolution. I want to talk to you about the resolution revolution. And the word resolute means marked by firm determination. And boy, do we need that. Bold and steady is what resolute means. Uh, revolution has a dual meaning. It can mean to rebel. It can mean to revolt. But it can also mean to turn completely around. And that's the meaning we'll look at tonight. Most resolutions at this time of year are related to personal improvement or advancement or change. And tonight I hope we can turn our resolutions completely around and make them about furthering God's kingdom, which is the best way to improve your life. Now, Revelation 2, 1 to 7, the darling of the churches in the seven letters representative of the very first church age, the apostolic age, Jesus said to the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, listen to this promise, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This is my hope for our time tonight as we launch out into another year. That even as the Lord acknowledged all the wonderful things that were present and active in this church, I couldn't help but think, and uh, I think you will agree with me, CCT is a good church. Amen. This is a Bible-teaching church. This is a Bible-believing church. This is a Bible-behaving church. This is a care-for-the-poor church. This is to go out into the world and preach the gospel church. 
and I'm blessed to be a part of such a good and caring church. And I do believe that all of us could also use some encouragement to get back on track in some particular area of our life and do what it is that the church is all about. Even in the midst, like with Ephesus, all the wonderful things that happen here. I will say openly and publicly tonight, I could do better. I could do more for the Lord Jesus Christ. I could pray more. I could study more. I could serve more. I can do more to reach other people, and I think you would agree with that about your own testimony. So listen, we have many things that are vying and competing for our attention in these last weird and perilous days. And we all have things to overcome. And there is a promise to those who do, and that is to eat from the tree that Adam and Eve were prohibited in eating from. The Lord placed an angel so they could not eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God and therefore remain eternally in their fallen state. And I want to look at what Peter said as an exhortation to us, that we are to be marked by firm determination and ready boldly and steadily throughout the year to tell people why we have hope in a hopeless season of human history. So... Let's go ahead and start the message. Would you pray with me? <laughs> Father, we are grateful for this year-end service, Lord. We thank you for all you've done. Thank you for this room we're in. Thank you for all the things that have happened over our heads. We thank you for the things that are going to be happening around us in this room. As these walls go up, Lord, we pray that you would fill this room with people searching for truth, and especially with those, God, who are searching for hope. And Lord, may they find it through that which is spoken here and in all of these classrooms, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So we pray tonight, God, that you would encourage us and exhort us and challenge us and stretch us and strengthen us and prepare us for the year that's in front of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Paul encourages, or Peter, I should say, encourages us to three things and at the end of these three things, we're going to reveal our word for the year, as well as the theme verse that we'll look at in detail on Sunday. Now, the first thing Peter says is always be ready. Live in a constant state of readiness. And the Greek word translated as ready is the same word in Koine Greek or everyday Greek that would be translated as fitness. And always means at any and every time. And as I mentioned, many resolutions at this time of year are about fitness. We know the lines are going to be long at the gym and shorter at the donut shop than they were in December, come January. But we know the universe will reach its balance and equilibrium sometime in March, and the lines will equal out again. And the fact is, I think our resolutions this year should be about fitness too, spiritual fitness. Fitness, which tells us that we are ready at any and every time to defend the faith. And this is why Paul would tell Timothy at the end of his life, in the last chapter ever written by the Apostle Paul, in the second verse, he would tell Timothy, preach the word. Don't start programs. Don't put a thermometer on the wall for attendance or giving. Preach the word. When? Be ready in and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort 
with all long-suffering and teaching. Now, it's interesting that the Greek word here comes from another, or the word ready here comes from another Greek word that means to assault or to charge or even to be at hand. And we made the rather untraditional observation on Sunday that the Christmas story is actually a declaration of war and that the Christ child came into the world to begin the first portion of fulfilling the first prophecy in the Bible in Genesis 3.15, that a supernaturally conceived male child would be born through the Jewish people who would later in life crush the serpent's head and therefore defeat death. It was a declaration of war when Christ came into this world. And the point is we are going to have to be ready to go on the offensive when we engage in battle for lost and perishing souls. And the truth is, it's an act of war against the devil. Are we not told that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against who? Principalities and powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And listen, we are assaulting the devil's kingdom when we give the reason to everyone who asks why we have hope in hopeless times, and they don't. So it is a state of battle readiness or fitness that Peter and Paul are encouraging us to always be in. Now, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, Peter gives us one of the reasons why we have to live in this constant state. And he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Guys, you're going to have to excuse me for a minute. I got to get out of this chair. Oh, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I had, because of the situation with my hip, um, I am prone to pinching nerves in between uh, the two bones that have no cartilage left. And uh, it takes three to five days for it to go away and I'm on day three uh, of my second round with a pinched nerve in my hip. And it's just, and I, again, I'm sorry to pause like this, but it's just, it's always something different. Uh, sometimes sitting is the most favorable position uh, other times I can't put any weight on my foot. All the time, laying down feels good. <laughs> but it's hard to preach laying down. So uh, I'm going to opt for the lesser of the painful positions and uh, stand tonight. So uh, bear with me. And I apologize for uh, hesitating like that. So now, Peter says we are to resist the roaring lion. Steadfast in the faith is how we do that, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now again, the word resist means to oppose. And opposing takes strength. And that tells us that we need to be fit for battle always and at any time, because you never know when you're going to run into the enemy. Because he is the one that is roaming like a roaring lion. And therefore we need to be ready at all times to encounter him. And may I also remind us, Greater is he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Boy, there's a, a Freudian slip. Now, 
Listen, if we're going to make a resolution for 2022, let it be we are going to always be ready to resist and assault the enemy, which is going to require firm determination, bold and steady faith. Now, think about Joshua. I mean, Moses was, if there ever was a human icon alongside the Apostle Paul, Moses was it. He was certainly that to the Jews. And Joshua was assigned the task of taking over for Moses, having once been Moses' field general. Moses is dead. The Lord says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so too will I be with you. And then he tells Joshua in 1, 7 to 9, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Listen to this. For then you will have good success. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then the Lord says, and I'm paraphrasing here, pay attention to who's talking to you. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, as temples of the Holy Spirit, the Lord our God is with us everywhere we go. So we always need to be ready. We need to be ready to encounter the adversary. We need to be ready to rescue those who are drawn towards death. And as we are, we also need to realize that the strength with which we must resist and assault the roaring lion is not our own. It is the strength of Almighty God. And the power of our resistance is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that parted the Red Sea. It's the same power that David had to defeat Goliath. It's the same power that Stephen had to stare death in the face. It's the same power that Deborah had to defeat Sisera. And the fact of the matter is, that same power is alive in us. And it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we resist and assault our adversary, the devil. And there's a lot of resolutions at this time of year, as I said, about fitness. Let's make sure ours is about spiritual fitness and always being ready to tell people about Jesus in 2022. Amen? Now, next, Peter says, always be ready to give a defense. And he clarifies what we're to be ready for. And he uses the Greek word apologia, which is the source for our English word apologetics. And the word means a reasoned statement or argument. So always be ready to make a reasonable statement or argument for the reason that you have hope. And this would translate into always being ready to tell people what we believe and why we believe it. Listen, ours is not a factless faith. It's not myths and fables that we believe that we're told throughout the ages. It is based on history. It is based on truth. It is based on observation of fact. And it proves itself time and time again, especially when the Lord says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And God is still making new creations today, proving that the word of God is true. And listen to what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, 22 to 24. He said, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, 
as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. You know why the tomb had to let Jesus go? Because he had never sinned. And the wages of sin is death. And when you're sinless, the tomb's got to open up. Not to let Jesus out, but to let us in so we can have a look at the empty tomb. Peter goes on to say on Pentecost Sunday, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you about the patriarch David, that he's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, or one of his descendants, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Now remember, this is Peter. This is the same guy who weeks ago wouldn't even admit that he knew Jesus. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that dwells in you and I. The power of the Spirit was upon him. And as a Christian, you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the dwelling place of the Spirit of Almighty God. And his divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, including living in a constant state of readiness, able to share with others why we are a people of hope in a hopeless and dying world. Now, Peter did two things in his defense of outpouring uh, of the Spirit on Pentecost. He quoted scripture, and he told them what he himself knew and saw. Now, we study the scripture carefully here, amen? And we want to know it, and we need to know it to be able to defend it. And there are those who try and use it against us, so we need to know what is true in order to defend against lies. But we also claim the Bible to be living and powerful. And the best proof we have that the Bible is living and powerful outside of the content of the Bible itself is our own story. And all of us can say in summary form, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. And listen, this is important because we need to remember when we're talking to people, we're fighting the devil, not them. We're wrestling not against flesh and blood, even though flesh and blood can be aggressively antagonistic to the word. And in Matthew 10, 11 to 15, Jesus said this, listen, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there until you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that it's not our responsibility to save, it's our responsibility to sow. We just go and sow seed, and if they don't want to respond to the gospel seeds, then we just keep moving and throwing seed as we go. Now that's our job. And sometimes when we're ready to give a defense, the ground is hard. And we need to continue, we need not rather continue to battle until we win the argument. And that's why Jesus simplified the Great Commission for the whole church. Go to the world and preach the gospel. That's it. That's what we are to do. We are to tell the world the good news. We just throw out the gospel net and let the Lord bring the fish. 
He can make fish jump in the net. As a matter of fact, that's what John 6, says. No man comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And God is always drawing people to himself. And I was thinking about the story of a newly saved girl who was standing on the corner and she knew one Bible verse and it was on March 16th that she quoted it. 316, little plug for our um, 316 mission. So listen, this girl was quoting John 316 over and over and over to anyone who would pass by and an antagonist attacked her. And he said, come on, man, you don't really believe that stupid story about Jonah and the whale and all that stuff. Are you telling me you really think Daniel got put into a lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were placed into a fiery furnace, heated seven times hotter than it normally was? You don't really believe that goofy David and Goliath story, do you? And she said to each one of his inquiries, I don't know. All I know is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And she repeated this over and over and over. And the next day she was back on her corner. She was back repeating John 3:16 over and over. And in the distance, she sees a familiar face coming her way. Only it wasn't the face of an antagonist. It was a tear-stained face who told her all I could hear all night long is that God so loved the world that he gave. And I gave my life to Jesus last night. And he stood on the corner sharing the gospel with her for the balance of the day. And listen, we need to know God's word. Amen? And that's why Satan is working overtime to convince pastors not to teach it, but to teach fables and myths instead. And he's working overtime to tell parishioners not to attend churches that teach the Bible. They're outdated. They're archaic. They're out of touch with society. Go to the ear-tickling church instead and learn how to have your best life now or how to improve your this-life situation. But listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be a witness. You just need always to be ready to give a defense. And listen, the Holy Spirit is all about leading people to Jesus. And when you start talking, he's going to be all over you. And he's going to tell you things that you didn't know you knew. And he's going to use you for his namesake and glory. And your defense may be one scripture memorized like John 3.16, coupled with how Jesus changed your life. But one thing we need to remember is that Satan has no countermeasures against the gospel. He is defenseless against it. The word of God will always prevail. And if someone does not accept the gospel, it's not because of Satan, it's because of them. And they're rejecting the message of truth. And listen, when we get up tomorrow, it's going to be another year. And it is a perfect time to say, this year is going to be my year that is marked by firm determination, bold and steady readiness to give a defense to anyone who asks me why I have hope. Now, the last piece of our New Year's resolution revolution gives us the scope of our mission where Peter says always be ready to give a defense to everyone now I want to look at everyone from a bit of a different perspective than the obvious one being all inclusive of people inclusive of people you encounter because the truth is not everybody's going to ask you why you have hope there's a lot of people who couldn't care less if you have hope or not and they're not going to inquire why are you such a happy, clappy weirdo all the time, especially on Monday after church? 
Now the perspective we can take on this is that everyone ought to hear the same message from every Christian. And listen, we mentioned this on Sunday and we've alluded to it tonight, but it needs to be driven home as we head into another year where the digression of mankind morally and spiritually will unquestionably continue. And that is where Paul said in Romans 1, 16 to 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek or the non-Jew. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul is saying to the church in Rome that the gospel is a one-size-fits-all proposition. It's the message to the Jews, like Peter preached it. And it's the message to the non-Jew or the Greek, meaning anyone uh, who is simply a Gentile. The just, both Jews and Gentiles, shall live by faith in the power, <coughs> excuse me, the power of God to save. And let me remind you, we're not fighting a losing battle. God doesn't lose battles. Amen. Christ is the head of the church and he's not losing anything. Now, the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church. And we need to remember, even as things are getting uglier and uglier, the largest great awakening in human history is going to happen during and because of the Great Tribulation. Hundreds of millions of people of the billions left behind are going to be saved. And listen, I believe that some of those who will be saved during the Tribulation will be those who had gospel seeds sown into their lives by Christians before the Tribulation began. Now... In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10, we're told about the coming of the lawless one as according to the working of Satan. And he comes with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, there are those good, solid Bible teachers who think that if you heard the gospel before the rapture, you can't get saved during the tribulation. I don't agree with that at all, because in order for it to be true after the rapture, it would have to be true before the rapture. It would have to be a one and done proposition. If you didn't respond the first time, you're out. But aren't you glad that's not true? Most people don't get saved the first time they hear the gospel. That's why the Bible talks about one plants, another waters, and then it's God that gives the increase. So I don't happen to agree with that particular interpretation of 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10, my favorite interpretation is my interpretation. <laughs> that there's going to be thousands of people who the gospel finally makes sense to when the church is gone. And listen, there are those who before or after the rapture would not receive the love of the truth. And there will be those during the tribulation who will call on the mountains and rocks to hide them from him who sits on the throne rather than to repent of their sin. And the point is this. Everybody needs to hear the same gospel message. No matter the manifestation of anyone's sin, we don't say things are okay, things that the Bible forbids. We don't minimize the gravity of sin and hell because the fact is telling the people the truth is a way to express our word for 2022. Now, as I said, are you ready? As I said, I resisted it because I wanted something more radical. And then I realized and I'm going to explain more of the backstory to this on Sunday. There's nothing more radical than our word for 2022. I resisted it because I wanted something more confrontational and aggressive. 
But the truth is, our word is going to confront us more and ask more of us than any other word that we have ever had in the 22 years that God has been giving us a word for the year. I resisted because I wanted a word more militant. And in your face, that kind of thing. After all, I'm a guy. I like that kind of stuff. But the fact is, our word for 2022 has the potential to start the greatest rebellion against Satan and his minions, spiritual and human, than any other word we have ever, ever had. Are you ready? I don't know if you are. I think maybe you better wait till Sunday to to spill it. Now listen, you're going to be just as surprised as I was. And I, 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 like I've been telling you, when I got this, my first response was, nah, it can't be that. That can't be it. Got to be something else. And the time that we live in, can't be that. Well, guess what? It's that. It's this. Our word for 2022 is love. Our word is love. Our theme verse for the year is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And we're going to study all of 1 Corinthians on Sunday. But our theme verse for the year is, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let me give you a glimpse of where we're going with this incredible word, should the Lord tarry and leave us here for the balance of 2022 or all of it. We're going to find that the Bible demands that we love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Not suggest it. Demands it. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. It's going to remind us that loving God's word is a prerequisite to having peace. If you don't love his word, you can't have peace. It's going to remind us that love is the proof attribute of being Jesus' disciples. Our word this year is going to call on us to love our enemies and to do good to those who hate us. It's going to tell us that God, listen now, it's going to tell us that God hates thinking evil of our neighbors and loving false oaths. And listen, if we make it to December, we're going to encounter the promise that the mighty one who saves us quiets us with his love. Man, what a year we've got in front of us. And listen, the word, and we're going to go through this on Sunday. I know we've all heard. Uh, I know I get kind of weird about these kind of things, but the, the word is not agape. No, the word is agape. And it's no wimpy, mushy word. It's a word for warriors. It's a word that is something that is beyond human understanding, and it is only possible for people who've been born again. It's the word that held Jesus to the cross. It's the word that kept Jesus silent in the face of false accusations. It's the word that kept him from calling on 12 legions of angels to his defense when he was arrested. It is the greatest word among Christian words, and the demonstration of it is what we have before us tonight on our tables and in our cups. We're told in Romans 5, 8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were what? 
Still sinners. Remember, as a sinner, you're an enemy of God, Colossians 1, 21 to 23. As a sinner, you're an enemy of God. But while we were still sinners, that's why we're told to love our enemies, because God does. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this unparalleled act of love is the perfect close to any year and the perfect way to open another is to come to this table together in the form that we're doing it in now with a styrofoam and a cup that you peel off the top. But it's the perfect way to end the year. It's the perfect way to say, Lord, next year I'm going to be all in. Next year I'm going to be more bold. Next year I'm going to be ready at any time to give a defense for the reason that there is hope within me. After all, we're in a difficult season, right? Yep. It's tough. Life is tough right now. And I just heard a statistic today that this pandemic has made 150 million people in the world homeless. This pandemic has taken 150 million people in the world out of their homes and they're now living on the street. It is tough right now. But let me remind you that on the same night that he was betrayed, when he was about to experience things that no other human would survive, remember his visage, his appearance was marred more than any human's ever has been. It was marred more than any man. They beat him to the degree that he wasn't even recognizable as a human being. This was about to happen. Pastor Lawrence said something in one of our staff meetings years ago. I think we were still over on 6th Street when he said it. And he was saying that he had pondered one time when he was, I believe, preparing to take communion himself. That because Jesus was present and active in the creative process, because he created all things, all cre things were created through him and for him and by him, and there's nothing that was made that he didn't make. That's what Colossians tells us. And Lauren pondered, I wonder what the Lord thought when he was putting the nerve endings in the human back. If he thought, you know, there's going to be stripes on mine when I put it on. Maybe we could remove a few of those nerve endings. No, he didn't. He experienced all the pain than any other human being would have experienced. He didn't do anything for his own benefit when he was creating the human body. He knew his was going to be brutalized. The beard ripped from his face. So he didn't come into this world as a beardless man. Crown of thorns pressed down upon his head. All of these things he did, having known that they were going to come to pass long before they ever even happened. And yet, what did he do? He came into the world in a human body so he could have the capacity for death, so he could die for sinners like you and me. And man, if that's not love, well, then we don't know what love is. That is a demonstration unparalleled to any in the course of human history.